You're listening to Brick to the Future, the property investment show for everyday Australians. We cut through the white noise so you can minimise risk and make smart, informed investment decisions. If you're after tips and strategies while building a property portfolio that suits your lifestyle, you're in the right place. Welcome back. Ken McClellan here. I'm here with uh, Matt Lewison. Louis, thanks for joining us once again. Yeah, good to see you, Ken. Yeah, the... Uh... The questions have been good this uh, this week. I've uh, I've had to really be selective of who I chose, but I think this one from Sarah is is a really good one, especially with uh, yourself on board the podcast today. Um, so Sarah's outlined there. Um, my husband and I have four properties uh, where it says five to ten years from retirement, and she says she's got an overall equi- uh, LVR of around fifty five percent of the portfolio. How do we get things to a stage where we can live off our live off income when we transition into retirement? So I've paraphrased that, but that's uh, basically the crux of her question. Um, it's a it's a ripping question and one that we talk about often. I know you're working on some models at the moment um, that can be plugged into um, people's portfolios so they can have a look at different exit strategy options. But um, you should always begin with the end in mind. It's that old um, analogy our business partner Michael Beresford always talks about. Bozza. When, uh, when taxis were around uh, and he'd say, you know, when you jump in a taxi, what's the first thing you tell them? You tell them where you want to end up. Well, in property investing, not many people talk about where you want to end up. So it's really important to understand that at the start, but it's great Sarah and her husband are thinking about that now while they've still got five to 10 years in their working life and how they can transition that asset rich base into an income uh, rich base to live off. So uh, you're, you're the master of exit strategies, Louis. Um, talk us through some of your ideas and what uh, situation could could work out like. And once again, this is not specific advice. It's general advice. I always reckon the best way to um, talk about this is to give real life examples. So about uh, nine years ago, my old man was sort of late 50s and he was, obviously he was my mentor in building up an investment property portfolio. But what he'd never done before was um, I guess, go through an exit strategy, um, which he'd always said when he started out. And I remember this when I was 10, 12 years old, he said his goal was to have, I think it was four properties. In fact, it's yeah, four properties, three with debt, one that he owned outright. And then five years later, it was seven properties. And it, he kind of yeah. kept putting it up. And he kept, I think he, uh, he, he couldn't stop himself in the end. He kept kind of yeah. um, growing his portfolio. So about, uh, let's see, he was in his late 50s, he, he asked me to do a financial model or a, a cash flow model and said, all right, I've got these properties, here's all my debt. Um, tell me which properties to sell first or, or what I need to do to, hmm. to turn this into um, something I can live off. Um, yeah. And what uh, what we found was, um, I guess, was, was very interesting because the properties he had the least equity and if you look, on the, look at them on an individual basis, then you kind of say, well, you've owned those for the shortest amount of time. You pay the least tax if you sell it, but you're also pretty much just clearing the debt you took on to, to buy it. Um, you haven't held it for long enough. The ones that he'd owned for the longest, if he sold, um, he would have paid the most tax on because obviously um, yep. he'd had them for, for a long time. They'd gone up in a lot of value, um, but he'd also been at that time taking on more debt against those properties to buy others. And where we got to was that the strategy he needed to employ was to sit and hold. Um, so he'd never sat and not bought property. He'd always just mm. been buying. Yeah. So we said, all right, you just got to sit out for five, let's say five years, one market cycle. Get that LVR down. Um, 
yeah, it would have been seven years, but the market was kind of going through a bit of a sweet spot at the time. So sit on them for a couple of years. And then when rents are going up, pay off your debt. When you get some extra cash, pay off some debt. And when you've gone through this market cycle, sell a couple of them to pay off debt. Um, and he did that. He didn't clear off all of his debt. He cleared off a, a decent chunk of his debt and got it down to a really low LVR. And then the surplus income he was generating from his portfolio from that point was just paying off that debt really fast. And it's a bit like dominoes when you, when you yeah. model it out. Um, the first one takes a long time to, to pay off. Obviously, each, year, each additional property you've got after holding for, let's say, five to 10 years, the, um, the income is going up a fair bit. So it starts to come off faster. And as soon as you clear that first debt, then the second one happens in about half the time. The third one happens in half the time again, the fourth one even shorter. If your game plan is to clear off the debt and just sit there for the income. Now, if we look at Sarah's situation, so four properties, let's assume they're about 700,000 each. So that's 2.8 million of gross asset value today. And an LVR of 55% her debt is roughly 1.5 million. Um, so at 3% interest, she's, they're paying about $45,000 a year in interest servicing. Yeah, that, And that's just on an interest only basis. Um, now, if you assume, and obviously we know, like when you look across Australia's property, uh, like investment properties, yields range from sort of one and a half to two percent at sort of one end, up to five and a half, six percent. Um, and sometimes those really high yielding properties are in areas where the capital growth is less. Some that have the really low yield are generally in areas where might, you might consider some people might consider it blue chip because it's really high value. Yeah those really high value, high median house price suburbs often have higher rents than other suburbs. But when you work it out as a yield relative to the, the value of the asset, it's quite low. That's where they sit around one and a half to 2% if they're lucky. But a well-structured portfolio of family homes would have hopefully around four to four and a half percent, sometimes three and a half up to four and a half percent. Let's just pick the middle band of four. So a 4% yield, they're bringing in about 112,000 a year. Yeah. Um, let's assume 25% costs and sort of other other stuff for servicing the property. Um, so they've got net income of 84,000 before interest. So now we don't have a whiteboard to go through here. So, um, and I scribbled some notes though. So it was 84,000 net income minus the $40,000 of interest. So they've got a surplus of about $39,000 a year today. Um, yep. So every year from now, and if they use that surplus to pay off some of that debt, then obviously that's going to reduce the debt. And as it reduces the debt, their interest bill is going to go down, which means mm -hmm. that their surplus goes up. So it starts paying it off faster and faster. There's that domino well, effect you're talking about. Yeah. Well, at the same time, their interest, sorry, their rent should be going up. We're actually, we're in, um, depending on how the property's portfolio is structured. And it's one of the reasons why we talk about having a diversified portfolio, not all of your properties in, in one capital city is that in some capital cities around Australia, right now we're moving into a market where rents are going up at 10 plus percent per annum. In fact, they went up 15% in Perth in the last 12 months. They're up at pretty close to 10% in Brisbane in the last 12 months. Not so in Melbourne and Sydney, where there's obviously a bit, bit of a different balance of um, supply and demand, although some suburbs and pockets of Melbourne are still going up and yep. same with Perth. Um, but having that balance means that you should be seeing regular rental growth if not all of them at the same time at least some of those properties should be seeing rental growth so um 
So obviously, if they continue on that trajectory, then at some point in the future, if, assuming that they continue working, they're going to be able to clear that debt. But now, if they're in their 50s, they may not necessarily want to wait that long. And I guess that's where the, the planning starts to come in to decide whether there's a level of debt that you're comfortable to hold forever, knowing that you've got a surplus income that's already $39,000 more than um, the interest cost. Or do you really absolutely want to clear that debt entirely? If you want to clear that debt entirely, then obviously you can obviously sit on them a bit longer. Yeah. Or you, you could look at selling one of the assets, which then obviously reduces how much rent you're going to be getting in the future, but it mm. helps to clear off the debt sooner. Um, and I guess an, another strategy that we're seeing, and this is something that a lot of family offices do um, as well with family businesses, for instance, those like household names like my family and, and groups that made a fortune in sort of one, one business often then sell their business. I'm not talking about property. We're just talking about a business at the moment. And then they reinvest that into a diversified portfolio of assets that are just generating income for them forever. And they're managing that portfolio. And that's something that we're also seeing in residential property now. People who have built up a big portfolio, um, getting to a point where they say, oh, I want to get out of my debt. Um, they sell off their, their assets after they've been through that growth, growth phase. Mm -hmm. um, and then they reinvest back into the residential market through another vehicle where they can get more diversification. Instead of just having a few properties in one area, they can get access to, to dozens um, of properties or hundreds. And that's obviously one of the things we structured Resi Fund for to help people to be able to reinvest back into the residential market after they've exited their own portfolio. And then yeah. they share in all of the income of a diverse, uh, diversified portfolio of residential property. And they can invest in some other classes of assets if they want to get that real balance that it, for most people, it's about the income that they're generating, not how much the equity is great. Yeah. It makes it feel good knowing you've got millions in equity, but it's the income you really need. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that provide, like you said, uh, equity is fantastic to have. It's a great foundation for wealth, but it doesn't change your lifestyle and really people transitioning into that carefree living. That's what they need is the income to transfer across. So it sounds like Sarah's done and her husband have done really well to get to the position they are. And it seems like they've got enough time to really knock out that debt. I assume they've been paying off some of the debt or the market might've taken care of it. If they've got another 10 years in their working life, well, I think they should have a, a fair chance of knocking out most of that debt and uh, even using that portfolio. And even if you said at a 4% yield, it's not a bad income for them um, to transition to retirement. It's uh, it definitely uh, thumbs the nose of the pension. That's for sure. Yeah, and I think that's probably one other point that we need to consider is this strategy, if you're talking about one property, is probably not going to put you in a position to, um, yeah. to live a carefree lifestyle and to retire early. Um, two, probably still not, depending on where they are and what their value is. But obviously, that's why you have to have a, a portfolio of assets um, and why you need to follow a system of investing that allows you to duplicate, to grow that portfolio. Now, for somebody else, um, who, I mean, another strategy that Sarah might look at, which could be a bit different if, if she was saying that she was going to be working for 10 years or maybe sort of at least 10 more years, um, could be to buy one more asset, knowing that the goal of that is to pretty much just double sell and flip it, it. Once, yeah. once, once you've been through that next growth or the current or next growth phase. And obviously, this the profit they make out of that pays off the debt a little bit quicker again. Yeah, the existing properties that they own. Um, so there's obviously so many moving parts there. And that's why it's important to, I guess, have 
work, work with people who, who understand it. As I said, with my dad, while he had 25 years of experience investing in residential property, he had no experience going through an exit strategy yeah. until the last 10 years. And we've obviously been able to work through that with him, coach him on it. Um, and that's given us something that, that very few in the industry have that most people who have been through an exit strategy with residential kind of retired and not sharing that knowledge with, uh, with other people in the market. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny, isn't it? There's a lot of people talk about growing portfolios. Very few have been through exit strategies. I know, as you know, I've been through an exit strategy with a portfolio, a shared portfolio I have, and you've been through the same thing. So even at our tender age of 40s, uh, I'm, I'm pushing 50 now, actually, but uh, even at our tender age, having gone through an exit strategy, you can really relate to people's um, conundrum that they need. And it does, it takes some modelling and takes some understanding what your life position is and where you're going to go over the next couple of years. But, and it's, it's probably a little bit different. It, most people work out their exit position at the start of their portfolio in an ideal position. What's your end goal? Um, but when you get to the nitty gritty, it is, it's a, it's a tax equation and it's a, where it leaves you in an income equation. It really comes down yeah. to. And I think also um, like what we talk about today for an exit strategy is very different to what it might've looked like 15, 20 years ago. And mm. now, as you said, you can't live off your equity. It's great yeah. to see it there and it gives you opportunities to invest uh, because you can draw it down to invest. But you're really at a bank's mercy when you're relying on the equity and banks are not really that keen these days to say, yeah. here's just a line of credit for you to go nuts spending the money that you've got yeah. equity. 10 years ago, um, they were, but like, you're right, time changes. You're better off being in your own control and having that income. Yeah, and while you're in the investment phase, they'll give you those um, that redraw facility or an offset account um, for you to use. But when your income is your personal income is starting to go down, then banks are no longer as, as keen to, to allow you to keep that offset account. So the closer you're getting to a, a retirement age, the tighter they start to, to put the reins to yeah. ensure that they're in a strong enough position that if you need to sell your assets, they're absolutely clearing all of their debt and getting paid back. Um, and obviously I think times will change probably going into the future as well. And that's why you kind of have to stay on top of it. And the people who are starting their journey now, it's good to have a bit of an idea of what an exit might look like um, for you. And an exit doesn't mean exiting all the assets. Correct. An exit for, for many people is getting into a position where your debt is at a point where you're hundred percent comfortable that on any, no matter what happens to you, you're paying the bills and yeah. you're not going to lose your property and you're going to have a strong income in the future, which yeah. is what we consider carefree living. Correct. Um, you're going to have as much income as you've currently got at least in the future or more um, forever. Um, but, uh, but yeah, at least have an idea of that. So it's not about, uh, it's not about buying a hundred properties to be wealthy. I mean, there are very few people in, like yeah. would do it and it's not, they're not doing it because they need to for carefree living. No, correct. What, what's a, what's a number at the moment? It's about five properties. I yeah, said before, well, my dad was aiming for seven, but he went well beyond that, but it, yeah. it's about five with today's meetings. Yeah. I've done, uh, I've done modeling on four and you can be comfortable on four properties. So I've got uh local um, friends of ours in the local school community who have gone through open corp and built up a property and uh, one couple who were really close friends with have built up five properties and michael said to me he goes i don't need to do anything else he goes i'm working for another 10 years he goes i'm, I'm set now so he's realized um with the advice of the the team it's just in the uh the hold phase so there's that acquisition phase 
hold phase and then the consolidation phase where you're really working on your exit strategy. So um, you're right. The, the numbers, you don't have to be a do- double digit uh, property um, investor to, to really set yourself up for the future. Yeah, but you do need to have more than two. Uh, that's yeah, that's right. I'd say four would be probably you know, pushing close to the, the minimum. Do you know what I mean? Three is going to make a really big difference to your lifestyle. Um, but four to five is uh, it's pretty nice earnings. Yep. Yeah. Louis, always good to talk, mate. I hopefully uh, we've answered that question and uh, given Sarah some sort of general advice um, and uh, she can work with from there. Yep, awesome. Cheers, mate. Thanks, Cam. Good luck, Sarah. Yeah. Thank you for listening to Brick to the Future, powered by OpenCorp, Australia's leading property investment specialists. For more information on how we can help you build your financial future, contact us at opencorp.com.au.